0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to Boardroom Out of Office. This is podcast 19, right? 19G? Yes,
1: yeah, Sirsky.
0: I'm feeling more and more comfortable. How are you feeling today?
1: Man, I am relaxed. It's Monday. It's, it's my birthday.
0: Oh, it's your birthday, bro. Happy birthday.
1: Thank you, my brother. I'm so excited. We get to celebrate. We got the king of celebration coming on.
0: The king of celebration. Good segue, bro. We got uh, Dave Grutman on the show today. Dave, I've known for... 20 some odd years. Um, I think for people that don't know him, he is the king of Miami nightlife, but he's an incredible business mind and operator and has built an empire of hotels, restaurants, clubs, famous for Live on Sunday, Um, has a new hotel with Pharrell that we'll be launching, has a beautiful wife and two daughters, he has been playing a shit ton of tennis. And I don't know if you follow him on Instagram, but the dude was like a chubby, you know, Jewish guy at the club running shit. And he was always like, he wasn't fat, but he wasn't in shape. And now he's in impeccable shape. And man, I'm going to ask him, you got to ask him a lot of questions about, I mean, ask him what you want, my brother. But you want to be in this business one day.
1: Oh, please, man. I'm going to go off. You've partied
0: in Miami, I'm sure, a lot.
1: I have partied in Miami. This is true.
0: Bro, I've had some of the most incredible times in Miami.
1: Miami is an incredible place.
0: I want to be in Miami right now. (laughs) <laughs> i feel like you can mentally be in miami as well Nah, it ain't as warm, it ain't as warm. <laughs> it's not as warm um all right well dave i know is going to be a fun guest so without further ado please welcome to the show mr david grutman dave what's up my man dave my g how you guys doing dave this is like drop mic moment for us bro you really made it rich That's what I'm saying. Like We've had a friendship for a while, but I've never even believed that some shit like this would be possible, man, where I'm interviewing you. My God. I mean. How did we get here, bro?
2: It's been a long process. It's not an overnight situation, as you know, Rich.
0: I do know. Do me a favor. So for as long as I've known you, I I told Gianni earlier in the day because uh, Gianni is also an aspiring restaurateur and hotelier beyond working with me here at 35 and I said, you know, I really couldn't tell you all about Dave's portfolio of business or his journey or his start. And I I am selfishly now really excited for this opportunity to learn about you, my friend, and also this enigma, which is the Groot. (laughs) (laughs) So, Dave, give me the entire portfolio. Give me a snapshot of your properties and everything you have currently in the works.
2: Well, I can't give you everything I have currently in the works because I'm very strategic with our PR and marketing. I meant
0: currently operating.
2: Okay. So, so right now, um, of course, live-in story is not operating due to COVID, but those are the two big nightclubs and, and kind of the driver that put me on the map, let's say, for the most part. Uh, I do have Komodo, which is my first restaurant. It's now open five years. Uh, it will be our anniversary in two weeks for our fifth year anniversary. Twenty-two thousand square feet, insane amount of seats. Uh, my first restaurant. Then I have a coffee shop called OTL in the Design District. I also have Swan, which is I'm partners with Pharrell on this restaurant called Swan in the D- Miami Design District. It's plant-based, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, it's not. It's it's uh, it's chic cuisine. planta the plant-based stuff is called Planta. That's it. What you're thinking of? And that in those restaurants, Planta, Planta Queen are restaurants so you don't have to sacrifice by being plant-based. Usually when people go to get a plant-based meal, it'd be some incense and some weird shit and it just wouldn't be cool. Now it's super cool and uh, it's done in the same kind of setting as any of my other restaurants. And then of course, Poppy Steak, a partnership I have with a guy named David Einhorn known as Poppy. And we've we have uh, we've made some kosher meats look cool along with lakas and wagyu pastrami and and some insane steaks, and, of course, the Minot Potato, which has caviar on it. Uh, I am opening up three venues in one space called the old Firestone Tire Place on on Alton Road right next to Lincoln Road. It's going to have three separate restaurants. One is called Winker's, which is an old-school diner. I have a one-eyed cat named Winker's. He was my inspiration. Uh, SFC, Sushi Fly Chicken, which is going to be sushi and fried chicken, but opening up into a very cool Tokyo bar, and a bakery called Tooth Fairy. And then in February, I'm sure you guys have seen the press, I'm opening my first hotel with Pharrell called The Good Time. Good Time is one word. It's on Six in Washington. It's 267 rooms, 40,000-square-foot pool deck and restaurant called Strawberry Moon, which, of course, we're going to activate, and a full city block of retail below which for the most part is all my friends. Uh, Pharrell is also doing a five-room studio on site, so I expect to have some great people coming in and out of the uh, hotel.
0: David, thank you for that. That was absolutely, um, that was way more than I, I thought. I've seen all of them open individually, but really an incredible, imp- impressive portfolio. And these are all in Miami, right? Everything in Miami?
2: They're all in Miami. I, we are opening up Komodo and swan and Doha at the new jw marriott there that'll be in a year that's in qatar uh we have our site set on las vegas which i can't say which space that is but that's opening in a year uh oh of course komodo in a in a, in a city in texas is opening up in a little bit over a year but yeah we're looking to 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 definitely grow our brand out brands outside of just
0: miami and the entire portfolio lives under, what is the name of this?
2: It's called Groot Hospitality. Um, my last name is Grutman. Uh, my friends that are foreign could not say Grootman, so they call me Grootman. And then Jason, <laughs> Strauss, ben Jason Strauss, our good friend, uh, would uh, just call me the Fuzzy Groot because I would have a bad situation of trimming my chest and stuff like that. I was very, very, very fuzzy.
0: All right, so Grubman, you own Groot Hospitality with who else?
2: Live Nation. Live Nation bought 51% of my company last October, knock on wood. Uh, I'm in the entertainment fund business. They're the number one entertainment company in the world. It makes so much sense to partner with them, and I think it's been probably one of the best experiences of my
0: life. So they bought 51%. um, Did you take money off the table?
2: Yeah, of course. What What do you mean?
0: I just want to, that's what I'm saying. So you took a little money off the table. I see, I see how well you live and you put more money into the business. How big is the staff? How big is uh, personnel right now?
2: I mean, I employ probably a couple thousand people is what I'm going to guess right now. A
0: couple thousand people. And your day-to-day life and how you manage your beautiful wife, your two kids, being Dave Grutman, which I know from having a business with a partner who is a global superstar, while I'm not comparing the two of you from that stance, your brand has a lot to do and your brand has always had a lot to do with who you are. So is, is your workload carefully managed or is it a constant struggle for you?
2: I mean, is it a constant struggle? That's a great question to ask. Uh, it's not a struggle because I know all, everything I have to do every day is 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 part of uh, part of my goal right and my goal is to really grow a hospitality company bigger than anyone's ever seen in miami let's say and i want to be on that international platform right so for me it's all part of the process and you got to kind of trust the process i just don't walk into my restaurants at at 10 p.m and go yeah we're here or 1 a.m at live everything all the, the daytime really makes the nighttime, and i say it all the time and it's really the case
0: Was your presence late night in clubs every time I've ever been to Miami and it's gone less and less and less and anytime I've brought artists I work with or athletes, part of the experience is having you there. Do you feel before Corona, did you feel a sense of commitment to have to be there for all of your guests and all of your friends? It's such a big network.
2: So, yeah, that's probably the hardest part of me managing my my time, right, because certain guys only want to see me. But knock on wood, I have such a great team my guys have all kind of elevated themselves right to a level where if I'm not there, they're, they're okay hanging out with a guy named purple and they're okay with hanging out with a guy named Adam Borden or, or whomever. But um, I think it's important. That's why it's great to have people around you that you elevate. So people don't feel like you're the only one that they need to see. Yeah. There's an X factor I have that certain people only want to see. And we have those relationships and what's great is because I have different outlets now, I don't always have to be in the club with them till five a m in the morning. I could have a nice dinner with them at Komodo or Swan um, and uh, And you know what's great about having a partner like David Eino and poppy at poppy steak is i don 't really have to go. Poppy's there kissing babies, taking pictures, doing the whole thing, and then we try to sprinkle our, our 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 friends around like you know food God, Jonathan Chevons at one of our restaurants every night, and people love seeing him and and michael bett like all the different you know characters that you see in miami you're going to see them at one of my places for sure right and also what's great is if you're a celebrity athlete performer anything like that you're going to have a moment in time at one of my places while you come to visit it just there's no way around it
0: yeah do you consciously like make these i don't want to say make but do you consciously with let's say david einhorn say we got to? make you a brand was he a brand prior to this I mean I saw him only through you but was this part of your doing
2: no so it, it came organically do I do I want to say I, listen poppy made poppy at the end of the day he has the charisma he has the character he he has the know-how but by adding him to our platform and doing what we do it it, it, enhan- it enhances both of us man it's he's added so much to our team and we've added some to him right now By having a place together, I've I've really helped a, a, a good friend of mine that had great talent be able to have that platform again to be able to showcase it. And Poppy Steak is probably, for us, one of our most successful shops that we have.
1: Between David and Purple and a lot of the other players that are in your team, like what in business in general, it's always so important to pick the right players in your team. But what about them like made you believe like, boom, we can do it on our own. We can open up a restaurant, purple. If I'm not there, you can run it. Like, what is it about them that really? Not, not,
2: if I'm not there, you could run it. It's not, that's not what we're saying. I, we always have to run it, right? It's just, just, I just want to make sure I clarify. But what about, what, you know, people that are drawn to you because you have the same characteristics or there's characteristics that you look at people to be part of your team. When you find something, you have to be emotionally intelligent. That's what I like to call it. And when you see those those things that resonate with people, you want to exaggerate those or make those more, you know, in people's faces. So it's not that we sit around and say, "Hey, okay, purple." Today we're going to make you bigger, or this one, or that one. We just really all work together to push each other, and I think it's 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 really helpful.
0: And then Pharrell, um, while you know, knowing both of you, you way better, but just like the highest level of taste and sophistication and aesthetic. And you have always represented that not as much with your sophistication, but with your taste and your aesthetic. Um, but he's an obvious partner, and you both live in Miami. But tell me a bit about that coming about in that relationship.
2: So, like four years ago, I met with him in L.A. and is in a hotel room while he's getting a haircut. It was super creepy. Um, and I'm just joking. Uh, Because he wanted to get in the hospitality business. And I said, listen, I'm I'm working on a possible hotel project, which I think would be perfect for us. And in doing so, we went ahead and and agreed to do that together. The opportunity to do Swan came up. And I said, listen, I want to use the same designer just to try to get the feel of, of how he works and stuff like that. And to see if we do a restaurant together, to see if we have that kind of mix together that you need in a partner before we take on the hotel. So we did Swan, and it's been you know, everyone thinks you just do a celebrity deal, whatever. It's, it's not like that thrill. He's at every tasting. He's there constantly checking the aesthetic, the music, the vibe, the energy, uh, the look, the feel, bringing up ideas. Why don't we have this? Why don't we do this? And um, he's involved. It's not like it's just a name, and uh, so it's been great. On another note, is he pushes us to do, to do good, right? He's really, as we all are, but him more so than anybody is you know, goodwill is really such an important play of our lives. And it makes me want to be a better person, man.
0: I've had like two or three experiences where I've been at a very big dinner table that he's been at, and the I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. It's almost like this like ageless superpower glow. Like I say
2: it all the time, i partners at the Dalai Lama, man.
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. Like I felt cleansed. I felt like everything he said was a word of wisdom, and I felt the same with his wife. Like I've the same feeling. So how did you how did you get into this? Tell me a little bit about where you grew up and how this like quick overview of those co- cool moments where like I did this because and it ended up meeting this guy. You know what I mean?
2: Well, first of all, you never. I take so many means because you never know what it's going to lead to. Even if it's not particularly that project, it could be a different project, and it, it could be what it is. You know, I started off as a bartender at, at the mall in Aventura where I met the sofers who are my partners today on my nightclubs. Um, and you never know, guys. It's all, you always have to be a professional whatever your job is. If you're a professional at that, you're always going to be a professional. You know, you get all these different actors and people in college and stuff like that that want to be servers at your restaurants, and, and, they're, and they, see, in order to keep them from like, keeping it, not keeping it as a professional job because it's a real business for me, guys. What you guys see, it's not just, you know, be cool, party, da, da. I think my whole thing about being cool is that I'm not cool. Right, I think I don't try to be super cool guy. I think I'm just a normal guy that people can relate to, and I think that's kind of what makes me cool. But uh, you just to keep these people in line, you want them to know that it is a business, and being professional now, you're always going to be a professional. So everything you do, it's the little things that make the big things. And I can't stress that enough, especially when I have interns that start with me. It's how you get that coffee, let's say, or how you handle that 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 small task shows us how you're going to be able to handle the bigger tasks so always be a professional
0: but okay a hundred percent and i i remember when i used to come try to get new year's tickets from you or even when i was more of a a club kid when i was younger and i talked to you a bit about like all right i'm going to get a piece of every ticket i bring in I, i i know that while you're very bigger than life and out and about same with jason noah richie a lot of different people that I grew up with in this business. I know that the operations and the business strategy and the amount of time and effort building this is a lot. But when you took a job as a bartender, I read, I read something that your mom said, or someone said that you were like a performer, not dancing and singing, but you were out and outgoing. So did you take that job as this is something instead of this? Or did you take that first job just to make a little check? And now you're this big nightlife guru.
2: Well, you know, I thought being a bartender is probably the coolest job you could possibly get at that time, right? That's a super cool job. And I, no one would hire me on South Beach. So the only job I could get is at this restaurant store in the Aventura Mall. And uh, it worked out okay. And then, you know, I always talk about my story, how I was making hundred grand a year bartending. And then um, the opportunity came up to be a manager, but that only paid $33,000 a year. So, uh, I took the 33,000, I bet on myself and, uh, you should always bet on yourself. You should always invest in yourself. And most people would be like, man, that's a huge pay cut. Yeah, it's a huge pay cut, but wow, did it turn out? Okay.
0: Do you have a hard time focusing and staying locked in at a certain thing? Is it, is that part of like being an, like for me as someone that's building a business, my biggest struggle internally and, my kind of like challenge is I have so many great ideas. I have so many things I want to do. And I get into this like creative brain where like, I mean, and I don't mean this disrespectfully because I'm the same way, but I see how you work while we're sitting here on a pod on the phone with your cat. Is that part of your genius? Because I think part of it is sometimes for people.
2: Yeah. I mean, some people say, listen, Dave, you have ADD to the max. I get it. Uh, but if it's something that I'm really into, I'm super hyper-focused, man. Uh, But yes, there's a lot of wheels turning up there at all times. There's a lot of noise in my head, which kind of sucks. But at the same time, it's great. Uh, Have I thought about medic? You know, people are like, "Why don't you take some whatever medicine to 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 whatever?" And I'm like, "I think I wouldn't be me."
0: Yeah, no, no, I'm I'm with you.
2: I've had ex girlfriends that try to put me on ADD medication, and I think for some people it works great. But for me, I think it's part of the whole thing, like you said.
0: Has there been a moment? Um, let's say, in in this arc of your career where it went up the rails for a bit or that kind of inflection point that you did take a step down? Because only I've seen this, like, constant rise.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think it's just more on a personal note, right? I've I've done stuff where I've, uh, let's see, let's say, you know, listen, when I first opened Live, I was really thinking I was really feeling myself. And a mutual friend of ours, Wayne Boych, came to me and said, hey, man, you're not a heart surgeon. You're not saving lives. You, you, you have a nightclub. And ever since then, it's resonated with me so much that I've kind of taken that, that step back and not try to bend – not to drink my old Kool-Aid, right? It's really easy to do in this business, and I think it's a, it's a big failure for a lot of people. And it also makes people not want to keep growing and going to the bigger, bigger project. You know, if I just sat on my, on my ass and said, wow, live, home run of all home runs. No, man. What's next? What's next? Let's keep going. And I think that's a big part of our success.
1: Was Livy your first nightclub?
2: No, I had a failure nightclub right before it. I failed miserably, Cameo. I ran the Opium Group for many years, which is where I met Rich. Um, it was a very successful club organization, and I really felt like I was the driving force behind it. They wouldn't make me an owner. Another group said, I'll make you an owner of the old crowbar space called Cameo. Uh, but you know, the owner of Space at the time was going to operate it. I was going to do the market, and everything I do was to try to show the Opium guys that that didn't make me an owner. Look, I'm so much better than you. You're, I'm the only reason, and my ethics and my beliefs weren't lined up properly. And I and I wait, time out. And I failed so badly that the Opium group ended up buying the club for me.
0: And I was gonna ask you about the Opium Group, and I have a question in here that talks about if you've ever had a rival and about mentors, right? So when you leave the Opium Group, I remember because I know the Opium Group and had my own connections, which is how you and I met, was that just competition within Miami or was that a moment that you're like, you know what, that didn't have to happen?
2: So for me, I'm glad it happened because it humbled me a little bit. I saw that. Listen, I, I threw the kitchen sink at Cameo, and I couldn't make it work. From Kim Kardashian to Christina Aguilera's birth. This is, you know, we're dating ourselves 15, 17 years ago, right? I uh, And that's coming off of being a very successful operator of the, with the Opium Group and very successful. And I was at that time probably – at the peak of my time, I thought at that time, and I and I couldn't make it work. And everything I did was just to try to shove it in their face. And I'm telling you guys, I failed really badly. Uh, it was a great lesson for me. And uh, so, when the opportunity arose from Live, I said, "I'm going to do it a different way. I'm just going to focus on myself and what I do best." And uh, it's been a, a huge success now, so much so that I'm very close to Roman and those other guys. And I and I and I know I'm on a different level to where. I don't try to hurt them. I don't try to do that. I try to, hey guys, I'm so proud of you guys and what you guys do, blah, blah, blah. Like I am with most people now in this town. You do need those rivalries at nightclubs. You just do. It's fun. It makes it interesting. And if I didn't have that, then this would be the new gold rush and every club operator from around the country would come here and try to open a club, which somewhat they have from, you know, and guys at the top of their careers coming here and try, and me shutting them down pretty quick. Not shutting them down like, a gangster, but shutting them down just by making our game rise up. Right? Anytime you have competition, it makes you fight. It makes you do go harder.
0: So, Live cannot be clearly your most profitable entity anymore, right? That has had the legs cut out from underneath it.
2: It, it has. It hasn't opened in nine months, but the restaurants are skyrocketing. Yep. They're, they're, they're doing better numbers than they did last year. One restaurant's doing double the numbers. Swan's doing double than it did last year. It has outdoor dining. It's been, it's, and it, was, it was really successful before. Now it's on another level. Uh, Poppy Steak is, is doing great. Yeah. So, yeah, Live story's Story is not open right now, but it's given us our time to really focus on the food and service and experience at the restaurants.
0: Yeah. And the COVID kind of – precautions and restrictions you guys have operated in florida pretty well right
2: yeah just like everybody else you know florida a little bit more open than obviously new york or la and um but we still have guidelines we still have task forces we still have everything you know
0: so current what's the most profitable restaurant today then
2: uh profit percent would be poppy state Pro- most profitable restaurant total is komodo
0: uh, and of all these establishments you've started, what would you say was the riskiest moment or riskiest endeavor that you took on?
2: Komodo It was my first restaurant. It's gigantic. Uh, it's in a shitty office building. You know, hard to get. No sign. Brickell was not an area where people were really going to. I knew that a lot of the young professional people that were going to live in Story were all moving there. Uh, and it's it's a giant restaurant when I first opened, nobody came. I thought for sure, oh, owner live it's going to be fucking amazing. Everyone will come. Nobody came. Brooklyn was not that area. I had to push like crazy I had to get the food perfect, and now it does twenty two million a year.
0: you know it's funny because I remember I remember there was like you had some angst. I remember talking to you before Komodo opened. There was definitely angst. was that like that moment you felt that stress?
2: yeah because it's, listen, it's it's a new a new venture that I had, I had done. Um, I'm obsessed with restaurants. I'm obsessed with hospitality. It's been an awesome experience. And I think it's, it's grown me as an individual so much more than just being a nightclub guy.
0: So your taste is like renowned a bit. And I, I, and I don't mean that in, I'm not, you know, I mean that like from the vintage t-shirts, from the experiences on your boat to your art, to everything about the way you, no, no. And I want to keep listening because I think that it's really what you've done in your space is pretty transcendent. Have you always had this like eye for art and shit has just been evolved through the years too?
2: You know, it's funny. It's just like drinking coffee. When you first start drinking coffee, you drink it with cream and sugar and all this shit, right? And now you probably drink your coffee black. That's how kind of I am with art and aesthetic and stuff like that. It's kind of, it kind of evolves, to be honest with you. I was super into just street art when I first started. Now I'm more into fine art than I am even street art. I mean, of course, I always have that blend, but it's just like anything else, man. I think as you develop as a person, your palate develops – It gets better and better, and it it changes.
0: It evolves. And is it a part of your business to you, or is this just passion and collecting? I think I'm selling, at the end of the day, a lifestyle that people are buying into. Is that a lot for your family? Because, I I mean, you're on Instagram all the time, bro.
2: Yeah. Does my wife get upset when I film her, you know, after she came out of a pooper? Yeah, maybe. She's (laughs) upset about that. But, but, you know, they they all kind of know what they signed on for, basically, right? That, that, you know, our life is kind of open as far as – I want to show being a father's cool. You know, it's. I want to show being a husband's cool. I want to show that owning nightclubs and restaurants are cool. That you should be an entrepreneur. That you should. You should. But it, you don't have to sacrifice by having a family.
0: Yeah. No. Amen, bro.
2: I think it's important for people to know that.
0: I completely agree. I like that, bro. I like it, and it's aspirational. Honestly, the way you are able to show your life and the way your family incorporates into it.
2: And even my fitness guys, listen. I used to be, as you know, rich, chubby, Jewish guy. And now I've really put a focus on becoming healthy and fit, not just for my kids, but for myself. And uh, it's, been a, it's been a thing.
0: It's beyond a thing. Let, let's talk about that for a second.
2: I should take my shirt off now because that's, I'm never wearing T-shirts these days. I, I always like to be topless.
0: I mean, we don't keep the video that much, but we, if you take a shirt off, we may. I mean, fuck it. But listen. Tell me about this, because I'm, I'm on this thing right now. Like, I, I've lost weight. I'm not, in, I'm not in bad shape, but I'm not fit like you are. And I've never seen a Jewish guy, no disrespect, with, with six-pack like that. What was this? Like, what was the routine? What did you – tell me the stats. Well, I, like- I
2: started working out a few years ago, and I kind of plateaued. I felt like, you know, I was, like, I was just training with my best friend at the time. Basically, it felt like I was a ton of my day. I was using it in a way to kind of negotiate less reps, less this, less that. And my wife goes, they're kind of like stealing money from you, Dave. So I got a, a new trainer. Not that my old trainer was doing anything wrong. He was just, you know, you, when you're with somebody long enough, you're able to manipulate them a little bit more than, you, than they probably want. And I got a new trainer who doesn't care about my day, doesn't want to talk to me, doesn't give a shit about what I did last night. Uh, and he really just focuses on the body. And that's been a big transformation for me. But then also picking up tennis has really helped the weight go down. And intermediate, intermediate fasting, I don't even know how you say it. I really try to do that. And I definitely am not trying to eat sugars and carbs and all sorts of stuff, but I'm try, trying to, to just be healthy. And when you start seeing results, that's what gets you going, right? You see a result, you're like, wow, i got to keep going. And that's been a big part of it.
0: How many days a week you play tennis? Because you know I'm obsessed with the sport too.
2: So I'm playing tennis. I'm trying to play tennis like twice a day. I'm so sick about it. Uh, six days a week, seven days a week.
0: And have you? You've heard? Have you heard about my game at all?
2: No one's talking about it. I, I haven't heard
0: anything. Okay. <laughs> ask. By the way, I want you to ask Maverick Carter, Danny Stillman. Um, why don't you ask some of the guys that saw some. Oh, this is the Hamptons
2: tournaments that you guys would do all summer.
0: I mean, tournaments is some some doubles matches amongst friends, bro.
2: Okay. I'm hating with Venus Williams now and Sophia Kennan and the mayor. And, you know, I, I, I try to get involved now. I'm in the mix. I'm, I'm going to try to get ready for a celebrity program here.
0: Well, can I play in it? I mean, I'm not a celebrity, but can I play in the celebrity program?
2: Great. You are a celebrity. I love when you downplay yourself like that. And, of course, you can. Uh, uh, this legend, Nick Volatari, that comes over once a week to give me a lesson. His 65-year-old son is my trainer every morning. Uh, but to have lessons from Nick Volatari and get texts from Nick Volatari just talking to me about my day is one of the most special, cool things in the world. It's almost up there with being, being able to call Hulk Hogan Papa.
0: <laughs> I, wa- I watch your tennis videos and I, like beyond living in Miami, the court, Volatari's, the life lessons, all of it, I'm fucking so jealous. Um, so you do all of this. You must have had people call you to be on TV more or do a show or make real money doing this.
2: Every day, every day. Here's the problem: if I did a docu series on what I do, the people would stop, stop coming around. I think. I would love to do a show about entrepreneurship or something like that. That right fit hasn't hasn't been greenlit yet, but you know, I think it's criminal that I'm not on TV.
0: Why don't we do one together? I do shows.
2: I I, I know you do. You never pitched me.
0: You never. Yeah, she never told me you wanted to work with me. I mean,
2: I put on TV every day on the socials anyway. To be honest,
0: Live Sunday. Like Gianni, I mean, tell me what. Tell me. Let me just want to ask. Gianni's twenty six. How many times have you been to live on a Sunday? Probably seven times. Each gets better and better. And it's it, it, this is this is religion. So tell me about this.
2: So you know Michael Gardner uh, from you know his uh, his company's called Headliner Group. He's a, he's another legend in the urban market. You know we did it in the beginning when we first opened live. We didn't do it. You know when the club was going downhill you know back then people would would only do a hip hop night when the club was like about to close They'd go okay let's do a hip hop night and we did it from the beginning in our shiny box and i think it sent the message that aspirations not just for for one one segment of the people and little wayne performing every sunday for free just took it to a whole crazy thing and then they putting in the song you know diamonds on monday or live on sunday diamonds on monday but besides that, Mike Gardner has really just done such an amazing job.
1: Dave, was the plan always originally to invest heavily in Miami and Miami properties, or was it global originally and you're just like, I'm doing so well where I am?
2: Nah, for me, I think Miami is the greatest city in the world. Man. I'm not just saying that because I live here and, I, and I, but I choose to live in Miami. I could easily go work in New York or L.A. or somewhere else. I think Miami, for me and for the rest of the world, is is amazing. It gives it's a real, it's a real world class city. It's not some small town that people think we have world class events, restaurants, nightclubs, museums, shopping, everything. Oh, and it's on the water, and it's warm, three hundred sixty five days a year.
0: Have you? Do you feel like um, like is it a monopoly a little bit?
2: It's not a monopoly because uh, people have places here, but. Is it a monopoly? You might look at it as a monopoly, but it's not what I'm trying to achieve or anything like that. I do want to have my finger in all parts of Miami, and I think I like to be the guy when everyone's leaving to go in or to be the first one in, one of the two. I don't like to just follow the herd. Uh, I think you miss it. The way the trends work, you kind of miss it when you run your life like that. So we t- we try to set the trends ourselves. I think to Rich's
1: point, I feel like the culture that you've set in your clubs – all the New Yorkers that I, Rich and I hang out with, all the, everyone in my crew, we, when we go to Miami, we hang out at your spots. And when, I'm using vice versa, maybe for you in New York, maybe you hang out at Noah and Richie spots. So I'm wondering if like you actively meant to
2: seek that culture or it just happened that way. It, it, it kind of came about on its own. It, it was, uh, I, I do, I don't always just push my places, I push Miami. Because I want Miami to do well. Because if Miami does well by osmosis alone, my place will do well. And, I, you know, I want – this city's is such a great city, and I'm so happy to be able to tell people how great it is every day.
0: Would you run for mayor?
2: I have too much of a checkered past, sadly. I think some stuff would come out of the closets and stuff like that, but
0: – Checkered pasts do not matter.
2: Yeah, I, I hear you. But it's not even so much that as it is – uh, I think there's, the guys that do it now are really great at doing it, and I'm just happy that I could. I think I add more value by not being in, the, in, in, in that section. I think uh, I, I could add more value for Miami by, by operating and doing what I do for the city.
0: Do you think Mickey Aronson would ever sell the Heat?
2: No, definitely not.
0: What about the Dolphins ever be for sale?
2: I think Steve Ross is going to hold on to that forever, and then I think Bruce Bill will will go from there.
0: So team sports, not interested.
2: I mean, I'm not that rich, rich.
0: No, but you dream and you have built something incredible and you're young.
2: I mean, listen, to be a partner in a pro team would be the coolest, greatest thing ever.
0: Ever. Um, Are you a part of the Miami Open at all, the tennis tournament?
2: So I'm having talks with IMG about that and Tom Garfinkel from the Dolphins. They really want to activate that, activate that, that tournament to another level I don't know if this year because of COVID and stuff that that happens, but definitely the following year, I think it's such a cool thing for Miami. And the fact that they took it out of Key Biscayne and put it at the Hard Rock Stadium, what they've done there is incredible. I mean, Tom Garfinkel, the guy that runs that whole Dolphins organization, is such a forward thinker and really gets that, how do we activate things?
0: Yeah, that's... um I was supposed to go to that tournament, too. I was pretty excited. It looks incredible, and it feels like it's your like it has your name all over this thing now.
2: I mean, the problem is my friends that play and eat with me all week, and then they lose first round for some reason every year. It's weird. <laughs>
0: Do you think you threw Stan Wawrinka from
2: – I fuck Stan up every year, man. That guy <laughs> is like a finals guy, and he loses like first round <laughs> every year. And he blames Komodo or Live or whatever on it. But by the way, Live on Sunday with NBA teams is like one thousand to zero. Even your friend, when he was playing on the uh, Golden State Warriors at their peak year, lost to the Heat Monday because that's Sunday night. I had them at Live on Sunday. I feel like Mickey Arison owes me some of this.
0: Yeah, he definitely owes you. I remember that one. I was there too that, that, at uh, Live the night before. Probably not as late as my friend you're talking about. And that was Deion Waiters hit that three-pointer over him. I remember that.
2: You know how all these bookies like to set stuff? And Here's what I have to tell you. If an NBA team is in town the night before their game against the Heat and it's on a Sunday, you should bet against them.
0: Look at that. board. That's a boardroom breaking news right there. And, you know, that's not even breaking news because I think every gambler has been doing that for years historically, but it's been confirmed by the king of Miami. Is the club business – Forever changed by the pandemic?
2: Nah, I mean, we're going to get through this. I think people, I see it now at the restaurants. People want to rage. They want to release. Don't, don't worry about the club
0: business. And no format change? You're not worried? It's just with the vaccine and time and time and time, and then all of a sudden.
2: That's all it is. That's all it is. I think people do want to be outside, though. That's for sure. I think outdoor venues are going to, are going to have a, a big rise for sure. I mean, I'm looking at outdoor venues.
0: But so then from that standpoint, are you worried about New York nightlife?
2: I've always been worried about New York nightlife. Meaning? I don't know. When I, It's not, I don't know. I, don't, I feel like New York nightlife, there's too many, there's too many places. Uh, I don't know how many people there is to go out. And it's just, you know, but knowing Jason and, you know, even Satsuki and Richie, all these guys do it so well there's always some new guys, there's always this, and it's, I feel like you know everyone pops around. That's the problem in New York. You jump around to three or four different places in the night. Miami, you kind of stay at one or two places, tops.
0: But Noah and Jason have cre- created that at their you know, at a peak time in New York, Noah and Jason created the ecosystem to a degree, right? You guys, I'm sure, inspire each other up and down the coast in terms of like style of running, right?
2: Yeah, we talk 10 times a day about it.
0: Yeah. Do you think I could have been a good club owner, party promoter?
2: I, I think you'd been great, Rich. And you know, you have the wardrobe for it, which is great.
0: I know. You know, you said to me that I didn't, I consciously didn't wear my hat, even though I wanted to, because I can't take the the ribbing. But, you know, I thought about that. Um, maybe that's who I am. Maybe I'm a promoter at heart, a club promoter.
2: We're all promoters at heart. Listen, I'm a promoter at heart. I've never been a promoter, but I feel like I promote my places every day. I'm a promoter. I call people who make see. And I'm an animal about it. If I, uh, you know, Milos is at the at next door to Poppy Steak, and if I look in the window and I see one of my friends eating there, I literally take my finger and I cut my neck with it. <laughs> I look at them and I cut my neck because Poppy Steak is my right store. I take it super personal, guys. I can't tell you that enough. Like, if someone's eating at another place other than mine, I take it very personal. Why is that person not eating at my place? Why is, why is that person not coming to my club? I take it very, very personal.
0: I bet you knowing you and knowing like the I've had the chance to talk to other successful people that's you're probably looking at is like, what does this say about like, what do I have to do better, right? Is there a paranoia there? or is it really like you hurt my feelings? I don't both. feel like it's, it's that both. It's both so you're sensitive.
2: I'm very sensitive, Rich. Outside, I project a very tough guy, but inside, I'm very soft and emotional.
0: I know you. are you know what? And can I tell you something? everybody has these so you say to me why don't you post a picture of yourself with the Groot sweatshirt and you think that i'm you might think rich doesn't think it's that dope you know what rich is thinking i bet you i can't post this shit fly enough for the Groot. my own insecurity
2: well that, that that that's a failure
0: on both our parts
2: that, that, that's a poor life decision i think you should be pushing the Groot Groot merch because it's not for sale you can't buy it
0: that's true i got stopped in I got stopped on the street wearing that sweatshirt. I forgot where I was. A mother, a mother and a daughter asked me where they could find it. Um, of all the Kardashians, this is just like I have you here. I want to ask you this question: Who do you think is the savviest business mind?
2: Well, most people will say Kylie for sure because look what she's done. It's kind of an incredible business she's built. But Kim's been doing it for many years, and she 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 has ways to pivot and find these things, and she's just an incredible force.
0: Yeah, it's, it really is. It's, if, it's, it's, uh, this is like uh, uh, generational, so this will be talked about. Yeah, and
2: by the way, don't, don't rule out Chris either, because Chris is really the mastermind of everything.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, for sure. Just to
1: piggyback off this question, is there like two people besides Pharrell that have really helped you grow, I want to call it an empire?
2: The first one is definitely Noah Tepperberg, guys. There's no question that Noah's really been that, that helpful Part And there's a guy that's worked with me forever that no longer works with me that doesn't want to be in that way so much as a guy named Mo Garcia. And he's really been a a great force in my entire career, even before we worked together, I hope after we worked together. But Mo's been a a great sounding board and way
0: to keep me together uh, for many years. He is like an epic individual, legendary human being. Um, Is there a benchmark... Is there one more thing, not a place? Is there something that you want to accomplish from the hospitality standpoint, like a bucket list moment?
2: I mean, everything has been bucket list stuff, to tell you the truth. Uh, but I definitely want to get into residential now. Residential? Yeah. I want you to be able to rent an apartment with my experience around it. I want to curate an exp- uh, a living experience.
0: That's very fire. And I, and that could and that's very much in line with the future of I mean, we'll see with Airbnb going public Wednesday. I mean, I think that's what people will want to do. They'll want to rent the experience. They want to live like they were in a hotel, but really like they're living in the ultimate home for them. Would you ever sell the rest of your company Lab Nation and just walk away and be like, Let me I got two beautiful daughters, I'm chilling?
2: I could I mean listen, I could do that now. Why would I do that? I got a lot of time, I got a lot of room to grow, man. I'm, not, I'm just getting started, Rich, to be honest with you. This is now, it's given me that, that, that way to be able to really grow faster.
0: Yep. Um, Dave, just as I thought, I really did truly learn a bit more about you. And do you think we're closer friends now?
2: I mean, I, you, I couldn't get any closer to you than I am right now. I have a love for you and an admiration that's incredible.
0: David, thank you. Gianni, I know this was probably a pleasure for you, too. and
2: This was awesome.
0: Maybe one day, me, you, and G can do a spot together. What do you think?
2: Whatever you want. I'm here. All
0: right. All right. Say hello to your family, and happy holidays, my man.
2: Hey. I love you. All right, bro. I love you. All right, sang with you, Gianni. Peace, Dave.